This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. Hi, guys. Welcome to another great episode of Material Is Your Business on Mouth Media Network. We're really excited today to be here with Paul Cavazza. He is the founder of Create a Marker, and they specialize not just fashion, but across industries in how you can actually mark and grade your products and what the underlying technologies are to support that design and creative process. And the show starts right now. Hi, my name is Paul Cavazza. I'm the owner of Create a Marker. What I love about materials is the texture. City. This is Material Is Your Business, a podcast covering the science, technology, and business of materials and manufacturing. Your hosts for this episode are Samantha Cortez, international consultant and founder of Samantha's Platform, and Stephanie Benedetto, CEO and co-founder of Queen of Raw. And now... Here are your hosts. Welcome, everyone. I'm Stephanie Benedetto. I'm joined by my co-host, Samantha Cortez. Hola. And we are recording here today at Galvanize with a very exciting guest, Paul Cavazza. He is the founder of Create a Marker. Okay, so we're creating a marker. Paul, can you tell us a little bit about what that means and what you do? Hi, Stephanie. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. So... What Create a Marker does is we make markers and we well, we take the, all the pattern pieces and we utilize and maximize your fabric. We're the ones who's re- really responsible to really take all your pattern pieces and put them in a position where they will absolutely maximize your fabric. And when you're talking about kind of a marker and and the patterns, is it it's part of the creative process? Do the designers across industries, I know you don't just work in fashion, do they come to you with a pattern and then what is the actual process? What are you doing? Sure. First thing that they do is they bring me a pattern and again, it doesn't have to be fashion, it's all different industries. And what the first thing that we would have to do is we would have to digitize the pattern into our into our software. And the manufacturer would have to provide us what we call is the cuttable fabric width of the of the of the garment. With that information, they also have to provide us any anything special about your fabrics, more detail if it's stripes or plaids, any sort of print placement, uh, anything to do with nap goods that there's a directional on the fabric. If it's prints, all directional, because that really matters when you're making a marker, where you, how you position the pattern pieces and put them onto the, the fabric. Absolutely. And it, it seems to me not just the, the prints and the directional, but obviously when you think of all the incredible materials that are out there, the different properties they have, the different weights, the different hands, uh, does that play a role in, in the marking process? And does your technology account for that? It really doesn't. Uh, the pattern, the pattern is made for each fabric, and the pattern maker is really responsible for that part of the part of it. You also do grading, the sizing of each pattern. Yeah, pretty much. That's probably the first step of uh, what we have to do. We take the pattern, and uh, 
they 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 make the pattern for the, the initial size, whatever size they decide to make it, a medium, for example. And uh, we take that pattern, we digitize it, put it in our CAD system, and we take the pattern, we actually grade it. We're the ones who are responsible to proportionally make it into all the different sizes. And how often would you say, you know, I always think about this creative process and designers have this vision or this dream or this idea of what they're going to create. And then when you're trying to make it into a reality, how often do they get it right? And how often do they get it wrong once you start going through the CAD software and the grading and marking process? Oh, that's, that's, that's <laughs> a great question. Great question. You know, designers design things and that is sometimes really can't be done. I'll give you an example. Uh, they give me a they give me the fabric of 43 inches and the pattern piece that they actually gave me is 46 inches and it and and the pattern piece will not fit onto the fabric it happens quite often so what do you do <laughs> <laughs> what do you do you call the pattern maker and you ask them to adjust the pattern and uh, sometimes they're a little bit busy and they ask me to adjust the pattern which is not really what I'm supposed to be doing but if it's something that we can manage we will we will actually be able to edit that pattern and 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 either add a seam possibly change the grain line in something in that nature that's very interesting how about the the software that you use what do you what what is it that um not to give away your secrets but <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit funny because no other grading and marking service in in new york or probably the states that has as many softwares what I have. We have the Gerber system, Lecture system, the Tuca system, Optitex, Polygon, Pad system, and the Super Alpha system, which is seven different softwares. And they all do the same thing. One does the, one software might do it. They all perform the same way. It's just one might do it a little faster, a little bit uh, easier on the user. And is that for sending the information overseas in the factories, the compatibility with the factories? Exactly. It's not only just sending the information, it's also receiving the information. More and more customers are moving to uh, pattern making on the computer software. So if they have the Tuca system, for example, they make the pattern on Tuca, they email me the file, and then we will take it from there. So I'd like to be that I have all the systems that I don't have to turn down anybody's work. Great business kind of value add, I'm sure, in what can be a very complicated, heavy, crazy process for designers. Uh, how do you, if at all, when you have designers coming in who maybe are newer to this process, educate them on what they need to do, what they're responsible for, what you're responsible for when these kinds of, you have technology and you have people working by hand and mistakes that inevitably can probably come in the process? Sure. The first process is really to sit down with the designer to understand their customer, their what they're trying to achieve. And the first process is really to talk about what is the grade rule between the sizes. How much do you actually want to grade between the sizes? That's like, that used to be like just my one thing that I would have to do. But a lot of designers today come up and they really, and I love it. I love the young emerging designers. I love to help them uh, 
They come up and, and I spend a lot of time with them explaining the format that we need, the format that it should be in. I take a look at their pattern. I check their pattern. I'm certainly not a pattern maker, but I think I have 26 years of experience that I can look at a pattern and say if something's wrong. And, and the young emerging, uh, the emerging designers really, really like that. This is such a kind of a technical, specific, interesting aspect in the industry. How did you get into this in the first place? Well, we don't have enough time. <laughs> uh, seriously, I, I've been in this industry my whole entire life. My grandparents had a factory started in, in, the, in the late 60s. My parents had a factory, and I grew up in a factory my whole entire life. I've been on a sewing machine since I'm 10 years old. I've been cutting garments since I'm 13 years old. It, I do find that having kind of that family history, my family too since the 1890s has been in the design and fashion and textiles business, and that brings with it kind of that very kind of hands-on, old-school way of doing things, but now you're bringing in new technologies and newer way of doing things. How have you seen this grading and marking industry change from when you were doing things the way your grandparents were doing it to where it is now and how you're doing business? I mean, that's one of the key reasons why I... I opened up my own company. I started in 1985. Uh, my freshman year of college, I started working in a, as a delivery person in a grading and marking service that did everything manually. There was no computers. There was no everything that we did was all manual. And um, I stayed with the company throughout my college. And when I gra- graduated college, I actually stayed with the company. And um, after a couple of years, I mastered grading, I mastered marking making. My parents, my grandparents never did grading and marking. They were strictly a sewing and cut and sew factory. And I, I, I saw the opportunity. I, I did learn. I, I'm always with technology and, and I researched it. And um, again, in the early late 80s and early 90s, computerized grading and marking was just coming about. And I went to my, uh, my boss at the time and I said to him, Louie, you see this box? So I'm pointing to a computer. I says, guess what? This box, this computer could actually do grading and marking. My boss at the time didn't think computers would work in the world, let alone grading and marking. <laughs> and the, one thing, now. <laughs> the, the one thing our industry does not like to, is to change things. They don't like to use technology. So um, finally, in 1993, I believe it was, um, is when I decided to leave Louie and open up Create a Marker and to start a computerized grading and marking service. And the, um, the markers that you create, then it gets transferred to a plotter to be printed in rolls. Can you explain a little bit about that? Sure. Once the marker is made, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of other steps before the marker is made. We try to maximize your fabric and minimize your waste. We try to shoot for an 80-85% efficiency marker. It's very, very important because that could actually make or break a manufacturer. If a, if a manufacturer estimated a yield on this t-shirt at 1.5 yards, it's really important that we reach that goal or, or better goal because if we're taking 1.75 they're out a quarter of an inch then there's multiple things that can happen that that's happening the cost of the garment went up that's one second they might have not ordered enough fabric to fulfill the orders also what's important 
is if we come down on that estimate yardage. That's really important because if we came down on the estimate yardage, the manufacturer needs to know this way they could possibly uh, reduce the order of, of fabric that they ordered or increase sales. This way they, they know they can cut more garments. I was going to ask you something. I know you started um, Save the Garment Center actually with me. Uh, we were one of the founders of it. How do you see in sense of bringing back manufacturing and how, how much of that you've been receiving lately that they're actually producing the products here? I see a, a very strong pushback to the states for manufacturing and made in, made in New York. And what I'm actually seeing a lot more is the actual pattern making is actually coming back here to New York. And with the pattern making is the grading coming back to New York. That's great. Yeah. And would the kind of, I guess, dream vision then be if we could get everything done here, it becomes more of a, of a seamless process where you're talking in real time with the manufacturer, any changes that need to be happened to the, the process just kind of speeds up, becomes more efficient, more sustainable and more effective for both the, the cust end customer as well as the designer? Sure. One of the things I, I just came back from Germany, which was one of the largest trade shows for our industry. And it was almost seven football fields. <laughs> exactly. It was absolutely amazing. I spent four days in, 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 in this conference and I didn't even get to see all of it. It's amazing. But one of the things that I, that I came back and I'm really, really excited is, and um, I'm going to go with the software is 3d pattern making and 3d fitting. And what I saw there and what I, what I saw over there was just absolutely amazing. I'm really excited to bring that to uh, the designers, and, and I'm going to be ready to show that off in about a month and two months. So maybe walk through, for those who might know, what exactly then that means, a 3D, to be able to do it in 3D. One of the largest costs on for the manufacturer is once they make the pattern, they have to make the sample, they have to get a fit model, they have to fit it, they have to make corrections and then make another sample. And sometimes it's two or three times before they get it right. With, with, 3D, with 3D pattern making and 3D fitting, after you make your pattern, you virtually could sew the pattern together and put it on an avatar to your exact measurements or to your fit models exact measurements and you can actually see how that garment will fit you and you will see anything on the three on the avatar and the avatar can move bend jump run and you can actually see how your garment looks what's more exciting is as a designer um, we can take any print any fabric anything and scan it and the designer can can look at it on in 3D and see if they really like that fabric, if they really like the, how that fabric is performing for that garment, how that print looks. They could change the color, and, and, and that was streamline uh, more design and really focusing on, 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 on the garment. And then once, the pat once we know it's fitted properly 100% on the avatar, then we will say, okay, cut the sample. And this company is saying it's like 99%. 99%, 99 accurate. Accurate that you don't have to go to a, se a second correction. 
Amazing. Well, the 3D avatars of the future are almost here. That's a perfect time to take a moment. We'll be back soon on Material Is Your Business right after this. Do you remember what we used to say about running? Oh, somebody bigger had to chase you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm BJ Smith, and that's exactly how I felt about running most of my life. That was until one fall day in 2011. I was chasing my son in the backyard when... Something had to change. This was the beginning of my journey to becoming a runner. One that would take me from couch to marathon in less than two years. Now I'm setting my sights higher. This is 16 Weeks, a new podcast from Mouth Media Network, following me on my journey to get into shape while keeping up my obligations at work and still being there for my family. And I'm not doing it alone. My name is Keith Smart. I won a silver medal in Beijing. I'm a sport and exercise psychologist at ECU. Coach athletes all over the world. and I'll talk with experts about challenges all runners face, like figuring out how to make time to run, what to eat, and how to train. You got so dehydrated. Your heart rate went up and it felt like you were working so hard. Everything's trainable, whether it's run form, strength. That's all trainable. And so is our thinking. Subscribe now to 16 Weeks on iTunes, Google Play Music, or wherever you find great podcasts. Together, we can do this. Welcome back to Material Is Your Business. We're here with Paul Cavazza, the owner of Create a Marker. We've been having some exciting conversations about grading, marking, and how to really minimize waste through the process, which I think is really important. I know we've touched a bit about it in fashion, and now, Samantha, we were talking on break. I know you wanted to get into some more other industries. Yes, I wanted to have an understanding on, I know you do a lot, a lot for fashion, and it's very, um, and it's a very big uh, part of your markets, but how about other industries? I know it's a big portion of your business also, and can you enter into the different industries that you're involved with and how? Sure. The medical field, big business in the medical field that, that, uh, contact me to make markers. So the medical field, what it, for all different types of in the medical field, for wheelchairs, uh, crutches. I can't tell you all the different types of pieces that they send me that I have to take those pattern pieces and make a marker for. A couple other industries is the upholstery business, uh, furniture, furniture companies, uh, automobile companies contact us to, to make markers, be able to send to Gerber cutters, electric cutters throughout the world. Uh, it's very global now, very, very global. Years so it's ag- like the car seats? Car and seats. How, how it adjusts? S- and- the steering wheels they sent me to, to make markers. Uh, it, it, everything that you could think of in a car that's like leather or fabric, we have done. Wow, that it's, is impressive. Yeah. Because you don't think, you always think about the fashion aspect of things because it's garments. Mm -hmm. And that's what one of the things that we've been talking a lot here, that material is such cross across all borders and all lines onto different industries. And that's actually why one of the biggest reasons that I wanted to have you here so you could talk about that, the, the marking and the converting those, that, you know, the fabric and how you cut it and how you consume, um, is there any more other industries? That I, you know, as, you, as you're talking, I'm starting to think of more and more. I mean, we do we do a lot of 
uh, companies for uh, stuffed animals, all the all the stuffed animals that you see at the Jersey Shore, we have to make markers for it, <laughs> believe it or not. I, I, I mean, we've done the one of the we did a teddy bear that was over nine feet tall that we had to actually make a marker for. That was really, really challenging. Uh, we've done sails, parachutes. It's amazing. I think doing this 26 years, I wake up and I say, well, I think today I've seen everything. And a phone call comes in, and I'm like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> what, what's next? <laughs> Obviously, you just alluded to size as being a factor, and that created a whole level of complexity. What else is it that creates a level of complexity in the process or can make it a challenge across these industries? The largest challenge is uh, the print placements and special placements of a striped plaid or a particular design in 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 the fabric because a lot of customers what they don't uh, you know they go out and they design fabric for any industry but they don't set up the fabric for the pattern that they're making it for so for example a customer will come to me with a with a print and the print will be 90 inches long but then we're only making something that's only going to take a yard a yard and a half but they don't understand that if you want a special print placement in some in falling on a particular part of the garment to bring that print back to that point every each for each and every t- garment it's going to take 90 inches of fabric it's that the waste factor is huge we get we anything below 60% efficiency will will get an email to the customer showing them what we call mini markers and mini markers eight and a half by 11 small print that they that i can email you and you could you will be able to see your marker how your marker is making if that customer responds back that it's approved it will get a phone call from me personally because i had a customer try to she approved a 22 percent efficiency marker it was 110 dollars a yard Wow. I, I called her They're up. Gonna... I says, okay, what, what are we doing here? Um, and we, we, she came down. We reworked, a, we re- reworked it. Sometimes we have to redesign it, and they might have to make adjustments. So what do you recommend as a, as a designer in any, in any industry when, when you look at designing a piece of fabric to really take in mind the marking process beforehand? Yes, Absolutely. Especially anything to do with print placement, you should take that pattern and 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 a lot of fabric companies will work with you and 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 they will ask you what the repeat should be, and you should. A lot of more or less a lot right. of um, designers will come to me like Paul. This is what I have in mind. This is this is my body, and it doesn't the pattern doesn't have to be made yet, and they're asking me, can you sit and work with me and. I'll put it on the CAD system and I'll, I'll take another body or another garment similar and I'll say, okay, this is how we can set it up. And I'll tell them, let's do the repeat at 18 inches. Let's do the repeat at 22 inches because to, before they go to printing or having the fabric made. 
So they usually do it backwards versus a lot of the designers do it backwards. They look at the fabric. They want the fabric. They buy it. They print it. And then they come to me and they're like, here, make this work. And I say, it takes three yards of garment. And they look at me and they're like, oh, no, it should take a yard, a yard and a half. And I'm like, oh, no, it's taking three yards of garment. So it can really make or break a point in the creative process. And I wonder, I know you mentioned on break that you work or teach at FIT. And as you're working with the students and as they're learning about this process more and more and also using technology and CAD software, are there any kind of best practices or tools out there for them or, or classes they should take in order to learn this to avoid those pitfalls? Absolutely. I started teaching at FIT three years ago because... I saw more and more people coming into our industry. I I can't tell you how many people are coming into our industry that really never took too many uh, took fashion design. And um I see I decided that um I want to give back to these to these younger kids. I want to help them. I enjoy it. And I that's one of the reasons I decided to to go and teach at FIT. I mean, I own four four companies and I don't know how I have time to do that, but I but I manage my time sometimes. Get home very late. Uh, one of the biggest things I I tell every one of my students is to go to the factories, go to your pattern maker, work with your pattern directly, work with your grading and marking surface service directly. Go to your cutting rooms. Don't. And, 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 and stay in those cutting rooms. We're all here. We're willing to teach anybody. Most people will welcome you into their factories to show you. And, and if you talk to any major designer, they will tell you what, what they learned out of any school was actually sitting in those factories and working with the seller and understanding how something is being done. It will bring them the best education, the best education that I can think of. Yeah, it makes complete sense. And I know it's something we talk about a lot is how do we, what is the level of education and understanding about the creative process that designers need in order to kind of be designing for this in this new state and age. And I wonder if you can talk a little bit too. Now, obviously, yes, getting your hands in there, being in the factory is so important. Um, I'm sure now there's also a necessity to have a certain understanding of technology and CAD software. And is that part of what you're teaching? And is that something you're encouraging the next generation? And what kind of software and tools also should they be looking at? You know, I'm always looking for technology. I'm always the first to try technology out. I'll be the first probably in New York City to do 3D pattern making and 3D uh, fittings. There's so much technology out there. I, I can't believe the technology out there that, that, that in simple cutting of garments, I mean, you don't need to cut a garment by, with a scissor anymore, with a cutting machine. There's, they have laser cutters. Outstanding. I, you just came back from Messe, uh, the message in Germany, the Messe show in Germany. And the first time I went there, it was just like a, a, a rush. It's, a, it's a an rush. overload rush, and it's it, and it's outstanding. The technology that sewing machines they sew on itself. You can make a whole T-shirt, and it spits it out. So that's it's I, it's to see sewing machines with laptops next to them. I, I was just amazed. I mean, the show ends closes at five o'clock, and I was there to seven o'clock at night, just still like just walking around, and I just couldn't get over the technology a sewing machine with a laptop 
amazing. Absolutely amazing. You mentioned four companies that you own. Is that correct? <laughs> and what are those? I couldn't let that go by. <laughs> oh, boy. I also own Midtown Paper, which is uh, we supply all the paper for the garment industry. The garment industry consumes a lot of paper for manufacturing use. And uh, we, 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 uh, we're, we're the main source for all paper in the garment district. And then a couple of years, we started that in 2001. We're the largest paper company in the eastern part of the United States now for the garment industry. And about three years ago, I started another company, which was a converting operation where we actually convert all the paper, not only for the garment industry now, but for all industries as far as uh, restaurants, all the restaurant paper, butcher paper, uh, craft paper, engineering paper. That's based out of New Jersey, right? That's based in, yes, out of New Jersey. And you're missing one? That's our copy company. That's where we receive a lot of files and print them and copy them and send them all over the world. Mm, So tell me, looking at all those four businesses that you you have, what's the common thread between them and the passion? What, What drives you through this creative and design process and through these businesses? A lot of hard work. A lot of time. A lot of people think uh, owning your own company is all glory, and it is. There's a lot of glory to everything. Um, but it's a lot, a lot of hard work. And in terms of the kind of the ultimate vision of where you would want to take these companies in the future, if you had no limitations to technology and this creative process, like what would be the ultimate vision for Create a Marker? Where would you want to go beyond DV 3D printing? What would be the vision and dream? That's a tough question. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm still really, really blown away with this 3D pattern making, this 3D. Uh, I would like to see Create a Marker really nail down. The most important thing is the fit of the garment. And I really believe that uh, with this avatar system that now when I take a, a designer brings me a size 4 pattern and asks me to grade it up to a size 14 and I'll be able to create an avatar for that size 14 and and show it to her and see what how it really looks you know certain i mean we all follow a standard grade rule that the industry has been using for years and years and years and yes certain customers come up with their own spec sheets and their own grade rules but do they really work? I believe they do really work. I should say that. I mean, I, <laughs> I grade for 150 designers. I mean, I, yes, they do work. <laughs> but um, the most important part in any designer is fit. And with this software, I'll be able to, to actually show the designer with an avatar, is it going to really fit the 14? Is it going to really fit the 12? I mean, I have designers and... Uh, major designers that every season we sit down, we talk about the grade rules, and we adjust according to what their uh, market is telling them, what their sales are telling them. And, and it's a major designer that we tweak. I, I will call it tweaking, tweaking grade rules based on uh, what they're hearing from their customers. So besides the, we have the, all the softwares that are multitude across platform, 
you cover the whole industry with those softwares. Um, you have the plotting machine. What else? What else? Do you, if I were to walk into your space, can you describe you know, just a snapshot of the type of equipment that you have? Well, I, we mentioned digitizing patterns. We no longer digitize patterns. We've been, we, we scan our patterns into the system. I mean, we take the pattern, we automatically put in a scanner, press a button, and it automatically scans into our computer software. So there's no more digitizing patterns. That, that's a major change. Next thing that you'll see inside our, in, in the third room is our computerized pattern cutter. So we, we have talked about uh, markers and, and, and fabrics and widths. But anything to do with uh, leather, for example, leather is all hides and you don't have a fabric with. So how do you cut those garments? You have to cut those patterns on hard paper patterns. So we have computer Gerber, uh, Gerber cutters that will cut all your patterns on hard paper. I, I, you know, I would love to see Create a Marker. My, after coming back from Germany, I would love to see Create a Marker open up a computerized cutting, cutting room, um, the latest technology in sewing. Uh, I really have this crazy, crazy dream of building a factory, which I never thought I would want to build a factory, but a state-of-the-art factory that would blow your mind away. Because what I've seen, it's there, but I've... Trust me, there's nothing here in New York City. I would love to do that. I think that's I don't know one if... of the reasons I kind of pushed you to come here because I was so excited about that you were in Germany the other day. Yeah. I was like, oh, I missed that show. <laughs> so if it's not in New York City yet, where is it right now? I, you know, I think Europe. It seemed to me um, Europe, like, had the technology or 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 the people that i seen was from from all over europe um i'm not quite sure if asia has the i'm sure they have the technology but i think they have the manpower to do it the older way but i what i seen was, was mostly um the europeans have done a, a, an interesting approach onto the things they understand that that to make it feasible for the people to manufacture that they have to upgrade their equipment and upgrading their equipment it would make their cost you know it would make their cost much better because it won't need so much manpower to process it like i said a little while ago that they had the sewing machines that you would just feed the fabric and it sews all at its own you don't have to feed the fabric with your hand all the way through you don't have to feed the fabric there was all robotics yes to feed to pick up the garment bring it to the machine and 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 it was all robotics and that's I, what i see all in in us that that's how we could make the manufacturing come back that's the only way we could make manufacturing come back because a lot of people, they don't want to get on the machines. They don't want to sew. They'd rather go retail and sew. That I really don't think that's, that's a smart thing as a designer. You want to be in the factory. You want to pick up a pattern. You want to know what, what the grading is going to be because if not, you're going to make so many mistakes through the process. Yeah. No, it's it's a powerful uh, proposition with a lot of possibility and opportunity and we can keep pushing it forward here in New York and uh you know across the United States that's for sure. So 
what would it take? What would they need? I guess it's technology and people to learn that technology. And that takes some capital and resources and other opportunities here in the United States and places that are starting to provide that those kinds of tools to people. Uh, because otherwise, it's kind of cost prohibitive. If we don't invest the capital into the technology and the education and training of the people of how to use it, well, you're kind of stuck, United States. So um, so it is powerful to hear that obviously that's something that, that you're seeing in a movement that you're pioneering and pushing forward. So awesome. We're excited to see where it goes with Create a Marker, the next version, the next iteration of the business. Um, that's a perfect time for a quick break. At the last section, which we'll come to next, is going to be our fun section, Remnants, where we get to throw at you some wild and fun and personal questions, get to know you a little better. Back after this. Hi, everyone. This is Mark Rako. I'm one of the hosts of Fashion Is Your Business, another great show on Mouth Media Network. If you like the podcast you're listening to, Material Is Your Business, then I bet you're going to love Fashion Is Your Business, which intersects fashion, technology, and innovation, and also American Fashion Podcast, which Harper's Bazaar calls for the true fashion nerd at heart. Both shows and a whole bunch of other great podcasts are all available at MouthMediaNetwork.com. And when you do listen, let us know you heard about them on Material Is Your Business. Thanks a lot. And now back to the show. Welcome back to Material Is Your Business. We're here with Paul Cavazza, the owner of Create a Marker. And before we get to our final section, Remnants, we were just talking on break about the steps you're going through. And, and I think we wanted to touch a little bit more on what actually happens once you've got the marker. Sure. So once the customer approves that marker, that's when we send it to a pl- to a plotter where we have to actually print the marker. And those markers could be very, very large. They're, they could do mostly about 63 inches of paper by 20, 30, 40, 50 yards of paper that's being printed. And that marker is what's the final product that the customer receives that will go out to a cutting facility. And the cutting facility will actually use my marker. My marker is like a big blueprint for those of you uh, it's a blueprint to make a garment and that's what they actually use to lay up the fabric based on my marker and once they lay up all the fabric they put my marker on top and they cut they cut they cut my marker and that would be the same step for every every other industry every other industry they will use my marker it's a blueprint so now let's go to our favorite part that's right it's and now, it's Remnants. Remnants. So we're going to ask you some personal questions. Don't know what we're going to ask. We're just going to kind of come up with it on the fly. But the way we're going to figure it out, we're going to tear a piece of paper. And who gets the longer strip uh, will decide. And that paper is going to be a blueprint uh, marked by you. So let's tear it. And it's Samantha. Go for it. I know you've been traveling these past few months, and I was wondering what type of food you enjoy the most and why. I absolutely love all food, all food, (laughs) except for sweet potatoes. 
cannot eat sweet, sweet potatoes. But my, I would probably have to say my favorite is Italian. Have you been to Italy? I just, yes, I just got back from Italy. It was my first time there. I traveled Rome and Milan uh, and, and the Amalfi Coast. Now you realize what you do this for. <laughs> it's true. And the food and the people and the culture, it, it is incredible. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Were you I, I didn't sleep. Did I you? did not sleep. I stood up in Rome to walking around the streets, and, and, and it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. See any crazy fashion while you were there? <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of fashion in, 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 for the priest. The, it was shops that made the, the uniforms for priests. I couldn't believe it. I mean, shops. <laughs> it was, I couldn't believe actually seeing sewing factories in Rome. And I'm like thinking, why are there so many shops for this? I, I was hysterical. I couldn't get over that. I, I just find it fun. <laughs> um, yeah, they, they do. They have their own industry there. Um, in Rome, it's it's amazing. I have a lot of friends that are priests, and it's not uniforms, but <laughs> you made me laugh. But um, yeah, that's uh, the food. Any particular one that you craved by coming back home? Because I know Germany is quite hard when you when you're traveling. Is there well, coming any- back from coming back from Italy? I I I needed to get pizza. <laughs> Honestly, Italy does not know how to make pizza. It's my so from where do you get your pizza? Penn Station. Get out of here. <laughs> where in Penn Station? Penn Station. Best pizza in New York City. Um, my turn. So if you could had to mark and grade one piece, uh, one material, one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? Anything particularly either complex or simple, but that always brings with it some kind of new aspect that's interesting and keeps you on your toes? Bridal. Ah. Absolutely bridal. I love to do bridal. It's, the, it's, it's, the, it's one of the difficult, difficult patterns to grade, and I love challenges. I can imagine. It's at someone's special day, and they want that perfect dress and you know it has Absolutely. to fit perfectly and of I course take, i personally take a lot of pride in doing that you have any daughters i do so will you be marking and grading their bridal <laughs> couture gowns when they walk the aisles? i don't know i don't know if i'll be able to do that <laughs> <laughs> can you give us kind of a, a final reflection moment a thought baby as you look back on your work your family history this interviews anything personal that you want to leave everybody with sure i mean the best advice again is technology is 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 going after the technology you're always changing your business you have to change your business i've changed so many times and moved with the times and 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 not resist change that's the best advice i can give people awesome and how can everybody connect with you and your company sure they can reach me create a marker at creatormarkernyc.com or you can call me at 212-730-5615 or you can email me at cad, C-A-D, at creatormarkernyc.com. Thank you so much, Paul, for your time and for being here with us. We really appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for having me. It was really a lot of fun. And for Samantha Cortez, 
Adios. And I'm Stephanie Benedetto. Go change the world, everyone. Thanks for listening. We're not going anywhere. We'll see you next time on Material Is Your Business. This has been Material Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at materialisyourbusiness.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Material Biz Show. That's Material B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, materialisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.